sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Uh, uh, by yeah. the way, this is the intro of this episode. <laughs> I forgot that we were recording. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> People need to hear this content. This is this is quality shit, man. This is the stuff we need to Where talk about. Where do you put tomatoes? It's not a fuck to- No. Like, no. Avocados? Go, you can go right to- Go to hell. What it's about not avocados? Fruit. Yes, it is. Well, hey, okay, Michael, if we're getting really shitty about it, uh, bananas are technically <laughs> berries, and I said that earlier, so eat my whole butt. No, but uh, an avocado- What would you put- Would you call an avocado a vegetable? Call it a meat. I don't care. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, it's hey hey my actually add to Curtis's point, yeah, avocado is great on keto, so it's protein, baby. That's pure meat. That hey, avocado might as well be a big fat cow. Sign me up, I'm gonna chow down on that motherfucker. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 handcast. It is day three, hour four, I wanna say, and I am Jack Bauer super fan, Mike Cushing. And I am twenty-four newbie, Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final co-host, and uh once again. Chloe O'Brien, super fan, Michael Howard. Okay, it is. She continues to grow on me, right? episode by episode. See, and uh, it's it's no. not even on a character level. It's not like it's nothing that she is doing. In general, it's she wins me by a single line every episode. It's just she has one interaction with one character every episode, <laughs> and I'm like. Okay, now that I'm an adult, Chloe, See? and I have I have felt workplace anxiety, I'm with you. She just does not want to deal with people at work. I wholeheartedly agree with her, and I sympathize with everything she has to go through. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, hey, can I say this? Welcome to the 4 p.m. hour in L.A., in 24 season three um so uh we got a we got a juicy little episode and a juicy plum of an episode a juicy uh, the, just the plum juice is dripping down <laughs> michael's chin just a um, solid a solid apple just, guys bef- mm. before we get into it i have a couple things i need to say yep. one i i got whoopsies drunk before mm-hmm. this one so that's okay. on me we're all catch we're all playing catch up you right, know bud. how i do i don't like to get Schlammered before these these things. I like to do it during. You like to leave it up to us to do that. I I jumped the gun and did a bad. I did I a, mean, bad bo- bo- a bad. So a bad if you boy. if you want to catch up with Kush, uh, pause right now and then just pound like a bottle of wine. Uh, what, pound what, a what, bottle of wine, three shots of whiskey, <laughs> uh, a beer, and then I think another shot of whiskey because I've had a. Are night. you in a Toby and, Keith hey, by song? The way, by the way, it is a Tuesday. So getting drunk whoops. on a Tuesday. But let's, let's be honest, boys. Last last episode was the soberest episode of of Long Days of Our Lives in in mm-hmm. good buddy history, and not our best. Solid. Are, are you trying to actually? I liked that episode, even though solid, I couldn't. So, solid episode. I thought right? it was great because Kushta but, couldn't talk much of it. So wow. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> it feels Whoa. like you were questioning my commitment because I talked as much as I I talked until I don't know an hour and forty five minutes into that episode. And by the way, brought my A game. How dare you? I I'm not saying it was bad either. Right. <gasps> I'm saying it was solid. But wow. when we're not when the two of us aren't sober as a judge and one of those people is also dying from, from in the throat game, it's just a little better. Cordelio virus. Keith, Keith. <laughs> well, bring it all the way up, buddy. Just, just to bring a little <laughs> bit of extra pizzazz, mm-hmm. a little bit of razzle dazzle mm. to this episode. 
fellas, I want to reveal to you a a gift that I was given okay. from long time, longest days of our lives, fan and listener, my good friend Amanda. She, in a pawn shop in Marietta, Georgia, yes. found a vinyl recording <laughs> of one Kiefer Sutherland's album. What? Down in a hole. This <laughs> That's a thing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I listened need to that it. in this hotel room right now. Why is it there? Yeah, sorry. I st- I, I'm chomping a little bit of Curtis's Friends in Low Places uh, Elizabeth Hotel in Fort Collins, Colorado flavor, but I have a rando vinyl album mm-hmm. performed by Mr. Keeper Sutherland down in a hole. There are. Um, well, I'm glad you off. got that gift because I would have had to go out and buy a record player. I did have some. She, she included a, a very sweet. Uh, post-it note <laughs> note on there that says do you l duel and it looks it's like a, Kiefer is saying it it's it looks like, like Kiefer bubble. is saying it because there is a picture on the back of the album with Kiefer kind of like leering at the camera in a bad cowboy hat um do you guys want me to read the song titles to yes yes before we get so into this much. episode of course buddy can't stay away track mm-hmm. one that makes sense for Jack Bauer truth in your eyes oh that's another good Jack if Bauer interrogations I like it if yeah I'll do anything. Yep, sure will. Jack Bauer? Like heroin. Even horse, yeah. This one's big. Not enough whiskey. Mm. Never. Going home. That's not going to happen. That's, not that's, today. That's, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> I have a ironic. Destro- I'm a broken home. Calling out your name, Terry. Kim. Kim. Uh, my best, side two of the album, side B. Um, my best friend. Tony. Shir- Shirley Jean. <laughs> All she wrote. Mm. Okay. Down in a hole. And mm-hmm. this one is so important, so critically important. Gonna die. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he wrote that when they were putting in the Baradine. Mm. That's uh Yep. Oh, well, gonna die. So guys, I believe when I say that this is a, a shockingly competent country slash folk album. <laughs> All right. So is that why is worse. that why you drank so much? Because you were listening to Kiefer's album. No, I did myself a favor and listened to this album two days ago on Sunday. <laughs> during my, my free times because I didn't want to emotionally compromise myself mm. before this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, fellas, it's 4 p.m. Do, do you have any questions? I, I did listen to the album. Do you have any questions about Kiefer's musical prowess? Yeah, does he put on like a kind of a like a gravelly He's got Kiefer a twang. Voice? Home, homie's got a twang. Mm. When, he, when he starts singing, you can't really, you're like, that's not Kiefer. But then if you listen enough, there are subtle tones where you're just like, I get I get that Sutherland vibe coming from it seeps I, out of the corners. Yeah, I essentially picture Chris Christopherson with a little California coming in. That's accurate, very okay. very yeah, accurate. It's it's there's nothing complex about these tunes, but goddamn it, it's listenable. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. Is it on Spotify? Uh, I haven't checked, but I can assume yeah for sure. I right. encourage everyone to listen to it, and then uh, while you're at it. Subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, where we are also on, along with Mr. Keeper Southern. Um, Man, okay, if, so we, fellas, if we really talk up his album, then he might talk to us. Because he's like, he doesn't really care about talking about 24, but he's big into talking about his music. Is he? Yeah. Like, whenever oh. people bring up his other stuff, like when he's being interviewed, like when he's traveling with, with his band and stuff, he gets really, like, upset if they bring up his acting. Well, hello, new Twitter strategy. <laughs> Keith, well, we fellas, will interview you and the band, my friend. 
We want to know all the things. We won't even right. talk about 24 the entire time we're we interviewing you. We won't even you. talk to you. We'll talk to the band. Yeah. How about that? We'll ignore you. Like the reverse Freddie Mercury. You're like, <laughs> nope. Everybody else is getting getting questions. Keith, you sit over there. Nah, I don't even want, you know, Keith, I don't even want to talk to you. I want to talk to Xander Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Um, all right, fellas. Well, in the 3 p.m. hour, we had we had a, a big a big hour. Um, mostly uh the drugs got out. Yep. We learned that Kyle Singer, not the drugs, were infected with the Cordilla, Cordelia virus. Cordelios. Um, he escaped. Um Jack Bauer informed Mr. and Mrs. Singer that Kyle was infected and had acquired the the drug by transporting horse across the border. Oh, he gonna um, die. And just before um we were about to apprehend Kyle Singer at a random mall in LA. Tony Amedi was approaching him, and he got shot right in the old net game. Mm-hmm. And um, Jack arrived at the scene in the last second to find that Kyle had escaped, and he was informing his team of that. And he's holding Tony's head in his hands as we open this episode. And before we really dive into it, can we talk about the fact that a neck shot is too accurate to be a mistake, but too stupid to be on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's why I was thinking, like, was he just trying to wound him? Because if he was trying to kill him, he he's very bad, very yeah, very bad. Yeah, you, you hope it was it was a wound. But if you're gonna wound, shoot my dude in the shoulder. Yeah, like you, that'll that'll put right. him down. You ain't got to go for the neck. There There's are stuff easy, in the neck. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> if this was a purposeful shot in either direction, there are easier ways to do both. <laughs> and the fact that he only shot once, even though he had multiple seconds to pop off a couple other rounds, like. One shot is seems suspect in a number of ways, right. and the way the shot went seems even more suspect. So I just like to your point, like there, it's either just he just sucks or he sucks. But in, <laughs> no matter what or, purpose he was going for, he's bad at it. Or Tony's in on it, and it was all part of the plan to make it look like he wasn't. Yeah, the one person I know who's not a mole is Tony. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna go ahead and say. I just he's he if if Tony's a mole, I'd be like, you know what? Everybody's fired. Whole CTU. We can't trust <laughs> yeah. no nothing. It's no reason to even have this anymore. It's not a thing. Can we well, also talk about how Tony Almeida is theoretically Hispanic? Mm-hmm. And instead of saying <laughs> Los Feliz Mall, he says Los Feliz Mall. Look, man, multiple times. You don't know. Well, to be you fair, don't know how much he gets spoken to in Spanish, you know, by no, his parent. But besides that, though. Far be it for me to critique how white L.A. may or may not be, because I, I don't live out there. There is every possibility that the white folk out in Los Angeles are like, yeah, that's that's Los Feliz Mall. <laughs> Los, and Tony's Los like, well, that's what it is. Actually, Even, you know what? I got to down talk my own current hometown a little bit. It's probably the Chicago, because there is a town in Illinois that's true. that is obviously named De Plain. Mm-hmm. And we say it Des Plains because there are S's in it. <laughs> and we can't let that go. No, you don't. As a th- no, you oh, don't. sure do. Sure do, bud. No, no you don't. <laughs> sure, sure do. There's also like a Des street. Plains. There's a street in the city called Paulina. And we just say it Paulina because everybody's been doing it. We just kept it going. Mm-hmm. It's a weird place. Yeah. It's like huh. Devon, Devon Avenue is Devon because fuck you. Mm. We said it's that. That's what it is. We're different. We're different people. <laughs> so, yeah. It's you probably like Los Fellas. Like. Tony, you know it's Los Feliz. No, it's not. It's not how it's spelled. Fuck you. That's true. <laughs> it's, a, it's that Cubs mug. It's poisoning his brain. I'm a little brain. too drunk to not stop thinking about everything. Like, the implications <laughs> of what you're saying are, like, really racing through my brain. But 
as the episode like opens, and by by the way, <laughs> more than any episode, we are seventeen minutes behind already, <laughs> and we just opened the episode. We have no, no, so we're, really, we're seventeen minutes in delivering quality content to our fan. That's really what we do. let all of that sink in, though. Mm-hmm. That's it's going to get worse. It's going to devolve. Yeah, into because this is a, a juicy app. Okay, so we see Tony being rushed out of the the mall on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. Um, at CCU, we see Kim Bauer and Adam Kaufman trying to get through to either Tony or Jack, but no one's answering. And uh, Michelle Dessler, Tony's wife, uh, walks up and asks what's wrong. And Kim tells her that there were gunshots at the mall two minutes ago. And Adam says. Micah says it's either Jack or Tony that's been shot, but he's not sure, which how? I don't really know how you yeah. fucked that one up. Like you were on the radios, Frango, when he one said Tony's so, been shot. So is this the first time that, that Kim has called her dad by his first name? Ooh, she just said yeah. Jack, Jack isn't picking up. I was like, whoa. So went, went Jack on it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Yeah, and then it's funny and, to watch both Michelle and, and Kim be like, I hope the other person is shot. <laughs> but <laughs> that was, yeah, that was amazing. Like, just, it's the, the moment where Kim and Michelle are just sharing this tense look of like, well, I hope your loved one is dead. Um, <laughs> but also, Curtis, to your point, Kim calling Jack, Jack and not dad, mm-hmm. I think signifies and signals the ultimate betrayal that Jack does on Kim later in this episode, which I... Chef's kiss love. <laughs> uh, we will get to it. Um, so Adam says after a moment, hey, Michelle, Jack wants to talk to you. <laughs> so clearly he's alive. Well, first he says it's Jack. Yeah. He wants to talk to you. Right. And so it could, like the it's Jack could have been a lot of things. It could have been like, oh, it's Jack who's been shot or it's right. Jack on the phone. <laughs> For like two seconds. But what doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. is like that scene would make a lot more sense if they didn't tell us who was shot at the end of this previous episode. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's no there's no uh, dramatic irony in this right. in this instance. But um, yeah. So Jack is on the phone. He tells Michelle and uh, that Tony's been shot in the neck and he says Tony's down. And hey, you need to make a tough decision right now. Um with Tony out of action, you are the head of CTU. If you decide to go to the hospital and to be with Tony, you need to hand CTU over to someone else. No one will fault you. No one will fault you for what you choose to do. But if you choose to stay, we need you to work at full capacity. And that is just redonkulous. <laughs> well, yeah. So the writers of the show either planned this or didn't. But Michelle is surrounded by just a patch of fuck knuckles mm-hmm. who shouldn't be trusted <laughs> with the pay, the pay the gun. It's like, hey, you can leave the command over this giant terrorist organization to a sack of dipshits or go be with your husband. Wait, let's go through it real quick. So we either have Kim. (laughs) So what? Kim, a a Uh, 21-year-old dipshit. Zachary Quinto, Mm -hmm. who... uh, I don't even think he's an agent. A narcissistic (laughs) computer nerd. (laughs) Chloe. Chloe. A socially incompetent (laughs) moron. Or, or Gael, Gael the mole, who, by the way, does later offer to take he over tries. CTU for us. He tries very, very hard. He's like, what if we just waive all these protocols and we don't have to ask for anything and I'm in charge? That would be great. But huh? here, here's my big thing with this one. So Jack says to Michelle, like, hey, I know what you've just been through. And also, by the way, he's at multiple points in season one and two, either thought he lost or actually did lose a loved one and had to continue operating as a CT operative. And it just says, hey, you need to keep your game face on. And by the way, guys, when Sora had cancer like three years ago and needed surgery, 
I didn't do any work for like three weeks. Af- even after I knew she was fine and mm-hmm. recovering, it was like, you can't just, and I mean, to be fair, my job was nothing. Not saving but, the world. <laughs> yeah. But like, you can't just do this. And yeah. Jack knows that. Yeah. Yep. But who, not- like, is, why, why couldn't she just hand it over to Jack? Because he's already the director of the field operations. He could field. also hand over being, he could also be director of. But he's, a, he's in the field, though. He can't, like, be there telling him what to do. So did Tony, though. He just took off. Tony wasn't in the field. He was just in the fields when he got shot. Hey, yeah, Michael, but he, Michael, he Michelle I, in charge. We did that, can I say? Can I tell you exactly why it can't be done? Because hmm. the narrative demands <laughs> that Jack, within the next 20 minutes, <laughs> rethink his, his role at CTU. Yeah, yeah. So he puts what, him his two weeks. Like, what happens is essentially, <laughs> so, like, picture this is what happened one day. Like... Obama goes off to the White House correspondence and they can't get in contact with him. All the Joint Chiefs for some reason are gone. And there's just one there's one general left. And they're like, hey, we're going to go get Bin Laden. Um, we know you also, but your wife is in surgery. So you can go to see your wife. But we also have this pile of puppies who can make the same decision. So what do you want to do? <laughs> it's like, oh, God damn it. What am I supposed to do? Well, we have this they, entire uh, kindergarten are they class. Golden retriever puppies, or uh, what kind of dogs are we talking about? <laughs> we we found these kids who were on a field trip. Yep, through <laughs> through the offices here. Well, uh, Nick Cage stole the Declaration of Independence, and on <laughs> mm. the back of it, it said "Nuke Iran." So, um, <laughs> I guess we go for it. I mean, that's what Michelle that's her choice. Is like I can make the worst decision possibly for the nation or be with my husband. Well, fuck. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, Michelle makes the right choice. Well, to be uh, fair, we'll it's see... not like she can do anything other than sit there and wait well, for him. And she gets that immediately because Michelle is clearly having a crisis of conscience. And almost as soon as she hangs up with Jack, Chloe O'Brien walks up and says, Hey, Michelle, the, the networks are overloaded because they started, quote, stealing cycles from the main CPU when the virus threat came in. Sure. And, um,. And, uh-huh. like, Kim leans over and says, like, hey, Chloe, it's not a good time right now, which <laughs> Chloe just ain't having. She and goes, are you out of your mind? And yeah. so after a few moments, Michelle just, like, kind of gathers herself, realizes that she's the only adult in this entire <laughs> building, and says, Chloe, offload the files to division, free up the network, and then um, I'm going to leave for the hospital. And as soon as she says that, Adam walks over uh, and says, Oh, we have a second call from uh, Hector Salazar, Ramon Salazar, our main terrorist threat, um, and uh, you need to review it. So as soon as she says, I can't deal with this, Adam says, well, who the fuck else is mm-hmm. there? And Michelle gets a busy yeah. and decides to say it's CTU. Um, Zachary Quinto's so- a man. He He's a man after my own heart because like, uh, some people may have tried to kind of steal some power there. Um, and he's like, no, nah, I don't want... I don't want any more work, and I don't want to be blamed when all this shit goes south, so uh, you have to stay. CTU this season is a weird mix of people who are either, they don't want the power, <laughs> no. to, like, to Zachary Kendo, like, I don't want that responsibility. Chloe O'Brien, who's too, inco- like, too, like, emotionally unintelligent to be like, I can help you with that, even though she's probably capable, she just, like, would never think to ask and just wants to judge you for not doing it, and then Kim, who's just too incompetent mm-hmm. we don't so know that like, we we get a <laughs> sense of that later um because guys god damn it i can't wait for this moment i'm gonna cheer later when 
Jack leverages Kim's incompetence for his own gain. Mm-hmm. And it gotta, makes me so happy. Um, okay, so Michelle decides to say it's CTU. Um, we cut to the conference area, and CTU is listening to a second call from Hector Salazar, which says, you must deliver Ramon to the Van Nuys Dam at the 101 freeway, and God damn it, guys. This should be clue number one that this is an internal based in L.A. mole because even the person demanding the release of the international drug dealer terrorist cannot stop talking about the fucking highways in Los Angeles. <laughs> How did you get here? <laughs> what do you, do you We're take the, the Take Mulholland up to the 10 and cut over to the Van Nuys Dam by the 101. And I don't know if that's accurate, but I think it is. It's not inaccurate. And so, um, beep, beep, sorry, checking my things. Um, so they say that Ramon must be equipped with a full spectrum radio adjusted to a very specific frequency and that they should not attempt aerial or ground surveillance, which I guess they forgot about satellites. Yeah. Um, but again, if Gael. No, you have to fly uh, a helicopter down there to take pictures. Remember, right. Curtis told us that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, you have ago. to fly a fucking helicopter down over the head of the person. And take um, a picture. So, or don't work. <laughs> as the call tells them that they have two hours to comply before the virus is released, we focus off of Michelle into the foreground where we see Gael, Mar- Gael Ortega, our mole, um, that sneaky little minx. Gael Moltega, more like. Moltega. So either Gael recorded this call in advance... Or there is a second person operating to help him out because we know he made the, we know he made the first call, um, and as that happens, Adam confirms that it was a match with the first call and says they are tracing it back to the source. And uh, Michelle says whoever called is controlling Kyle Singer, and we have only two hours to catch him. So, how are you guys feeling about Gael right now and Michelle and like just the the CTU sitch? I don't quite understand Gael's endgame. I assume he has to be being threatened or like his family threatened because no one would want a virus to be released in a city you are living that in. you are in. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like that's even worse than a nuclear warhead or something like you can at least figure out where the blast radius is going to be like once that shit starts like you're fucked. Maybe he's got a gas mask or something. I don't know, man. You know, he's got a hazmat suit prepared. <laughs> Or a shelter of some sort. <laughs> just gonna, I'm going to wait this one out yeah. <laughs> down here in this bunker. Yeah, yeah I mean, Gael's whole game here seems tenuous at best. Like, mm. I just do not understand what he's doing. But um, so apparently we learned they have two, out, two hours to catch Kyle Singer, which comes into play into literally every single facet of this conspiracy plot mm-hmm. revealed later in this episode. And I... Really want to talk to you guys about it. So um, we cut to the mall where we see Kyle's girlfriend, Linda, who had recently told him to fuck off. Um, she's calling him and tells him there are roadblocks set up around the mall and she can't get to him. And she's well, just meet me outside the east entrance of the parking garage. And he hangs up and behind him, we see someone yelling. I found him and they chase after him. We get a tiny clock at 4.05. Please take a drink. And um, the men chasing Kyle Singer run after him. He runs out of the garage and jumps into Linda's car. And uh, those men come racing out of the parking garage in a real nasty piece of shit. Self Chevy. Silver- God, can't talk. <laughs> in a Chevy real Chase nasty. Silverado. 
in a real nasty piece of shit Chevy Silverado 2500, which I bet only has a dog shit six liter Vortec engine. And um, luckily, they could cop behind a car uh, blocking them in traffic, which well, gives Kyle a momentary advantage to escape in traffic. You know why that that first piece of shit? Because it's not a Ford F-150. Exactly. It if is it a Chevy. It been a Ford vehicle. It is a Chevy, which, by the way, in my notes, I say Chevy Silverado, which even when I just said that, I have the hardest time not saying Chevy Chilverado. <laughs> Chevy Silverado. I, I had to fight that with every fiber of my being. That's how Sean Connery would say it. Do not say Chevy Silverado. Chevy And um, Kyle escapes with Linda, and we cut to CTU where Kim is... Giving orders to people to for lots some of reason? people to yeah, lots not, of people. Not great. And um, Chase catches her attention and uh, she walks over to see how uh, and she asks how Tony is doing. And um, Kim just says he's on the way to the hospital. And Chase looks up at Tony's office, which is now occupied by Michelle. And uh, he says, well, if Tony's in the hospital, why the hell is Michelle still here? Because that's and, how your um, job works. Exactly. <laughs> Some people, no responsibility. Chase. 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 You real piece of shit. Um, oh. And uh, Kim says, Michelle knows that leaving CTU would set them back. And um, Chase is like, okay, well, tell Michelle that I'm going to Downey, <laughs> the prison, to see Salazar. And she's and, like, why um, don't you tell her, you big baby? Yeah. And uh, so Kim's like, um, my dad already said that was a waste of time, so I don't really know why you're going there. And what does Chase say? He says being here is a waste of time. Sitting around here. <laughs> Fuck you, Chase. My that? He's, I mean, I can see exactly why he's doing what he's doing, but it's also like, Kim accurately says, well, you should run this by Michelle because like, you know, this isn't really your choice to make. <laughs> right, yeah. And Chase just says, if we lose the kid is infected, which by the way, Multiple teams and multiple agents are looking for yeah. anyone yeah. who knows where he is. If anyone knows where he is, it's Salazar. So I'm go- and like, how? I don't know how he He's makes that cognitive leap because Salazar has no communication with anyone. Right. Yeah, he may know some- that this guy, that this is a plan, but he has no idea where the fuck the person yeah. is. There's some real big plot holes we need to talk about regarding this fact at the end of this episode. Just don't make any sense. But yeah. yeah. Vis-a-vis Chase, uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So as Chase turns to leave, we get a tiny clock at 407. Please take a drink. Mm-hmm. And um, we see Dr. Linzer, the surgeon, uh, calling from Tony's hospital, uh, asking Michelle for her verbal consent to operate for some vascular repair. And um, Curtis, yeah, <coughs> I know your wife is an OBGYN, but yep. <laughs> is this a thing where, like, if doctors need to do surgery on someone bleeding out from a, like, Gunshot mortal wound, wound yeah. they call their, I don't know, like, next of kin to be like, <laughs> can we please do this? Can we please can we save help? their life? I can we don't please help? believe so. Like, you need you need power to, to do operations that are kind of, uh, you know... Uh, Time sensitive. Do them or not? Like, yeah, consensual. Like, you need that. You need that if it's going to be something that's actually put to save their life. I think you can just do it. Um, this is vascular surgery, which is vascular surgery is just surgery on any of the vessels that carry blood around the body. Uh, so yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. You don't need power of attorney to get that signed off on. Save his life. <laughs> like, particularly um, like, like for, for like a DNR, a do not resuscitate order. Yeah, then you need like you know wife. But also to sign verbal permission, like. He's not like the call wasn't recorded and monitored for, you know, customer service 
purposes. So like he could have just said like, yeah, he sure. Well, neither neither like conversation. Sometimes you tell people to do those kinds of things, but yeah, Susie. Uh, uh, um, That's uh, why you get everything in writing, man. I think this was just a way for them to convey the fact of of what the injury was and what kind of surgery they were going to do to get him fixed. Here's here's that my the audio recording of this call. Um, hey, excuse me, uh, uh, Mrs. Almeida. Actually, it's Mrs. Dessler. Thank you. Please <laughs> call me by my name. Um, okay, well, your son, your uh, husband, not your son. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Um, he was shot in the neck a moment ago and his jugular. Oh, it's torn wide open. Oh yeah, um, bleeding do we have everywhere. Mission to um, uh, I don't know, repair that. Well, let me call my insurance provider. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's it. Not a thing. It's not a thing. So, uh, oh, actually, and the bucket, my, my the husband bucket to hold his a, blood is going to cost ten thousand uh, dollars. My husband actually has a Ford F three fifty version of the jugular, so he's mm. actually fine. That thing is loaded up with features and and all sorts of high level trim. So, um, thank God he didn't have the Chevy. Yeah, yeah. Got um, those side impact airbags. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna call you know non-accredited medical bullshit on this one so there you go well up, <laughs> up next speaking of non-accredited horseshit doctor behavior the doctor just says okay sounds good i'll find you in the waiting room yep. after the surgery which holy shit god damn the guy must know that he's treating someone who's a counter-terrorist agent whose wife is probably also a counter-terrorist agent he's like well i'm sure you'll be a good enough person to be here when your husband wakes up from surgery. <laughs> and she says, I'll find you because you'll be the one crying, I assume. I might not be there. So she hangs up and she puts her head in her hands for a moment, which, uh, hey, guys, new rule. Drink for someone putting their head in their hands. Um, we cut to commercial at 409. Um, how do you guys you guys think Tony's going to make it? Yeah, he Wait. did. You Wait. think, Michael, you think he's dead? I already say you he did. I already say you dead. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, he's going to make it. Okay. I mean, I I think for Tony to go down this way would be a cop-out for this show. They've well, so, spent so much time developing him into, from season one, Soul Patch Tony, into season three, very nice. Does he have a goatee? I forgot. Um, like, but no, he's good clean. Guy Tony. He's clean-shaven. Clean-shaven Tony. Okay. For me, essentially... <gasps> if if Tony dies this season, ask what happened last season. If anyone comes into that office again and at, and says, "Hey, you're being considered to move to DC," it's like, no, 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 that it murder, no, it's a, it's a murder, actually, it's a murder curse. I don't want it. I'm actually rather not. And actually, <laughs> what I just realized was that if Tony does expire right here, it does actually kill the um the narrative of Soul Patch to Mustache to Clean Shaven. To full beard badass. Because mm. I feel like somewhere within Tony's character, we already saw Jack get a kind of desperation beard. I think Tony's going to get some sort of, some sort of like villain beard or like desperation beard. Like some he sort of like. He looks so good with a beard. I bet he would look a sick with a full beard. Oh, yeah. I like it. We come back from a commercial at 412. No, we don't. No, uh, and we, we don't. see Kyle Singer driving. We see Jack hunched over panting and we see michelle looking pensive at you, her desk you get it right we see kyle singer trying to be future paul walker <laughs> yes um and failing wait hold, hold on when did this would be oh oh three right yeah when did fast and furious come out oh uh, oh one the first one yeah okay so okay this is so okay paul he walker wasn't a badass until fast and fast and furious which is an oh seven at best so 
Yeah, future um, Paul Walker. Too Fast, Too Furious, Paul did some flexing. <laughs> I'll say don't, that. Don't, don't, don't talk about Too Fast, Too Furious ever. What? It's it's the worst of all of them. How dare you? Okay, first of all, one, Tokyo <laughs> Drift is right there. Second bullshit, of all, bullshit. if you'd like to, if you'd like to exit the podcast, feel free, I guess, bud. What's that? I can find someone who's also never seen this show. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> too fast, too furious is the bottom of the of that entire series. I mean, just because just you're right doesn't make you right. Yeah, it does. That's the point of being right. The, the thing about Too Fast, Too Furious is one, it is very bad, but also it's <laughs> like it's only very, very bad. Like it, like it, ex- it exceeds its expectations because of like the weird rodeo clown sort of like <laughs> t- yeah. scenario set up by Tyrese and Paul Walker. Like they just meet at like they just have a fist fight during yeah, a let, like let's, let's monster be honest truck here, boys. The craziest thing to happen to Tokyo Drift is that they, they turned a they managed to turn a Mustang into a, into a drifting car, which is weird, but I can see it happening. Too Fast, Too Furious has ejector seats. Yeah, in but, cars. But guys, I have Fellas. just one one point <laughs> one point in favor of that movie. Uh-huh. It's called Too Fast, Too Furious, which is the best movie title ever, and it it spawned memes for for generations. Yeah, the title is because now we're on what? I think we're on nine fast, five furious. We're about well, we we're, <laughs> we had fate fate f eight of the furious. Now we're going to Hobbs and Shaw, and then well, we're doing, fate of the furious I, who, only has who, a furious. It doesn't have a fast, so I think right, we're, Laura, we're we're back to like like yeah eight. F- no, because if you count faster as well, which. Kind of was fast. But do, but do you count driven. drive angry? Because then that's furious. Oh, that's not so furious. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think I think we're I think we're we might be tied eight, up again. Eight fast, seven furious. I don't Maybe. know. Guys, I I have two important <laughs> important notes to to mention. One, since I spilled a massive cup of uh, whiskey on my keyboard, mm-hmm. um, it actually hasn't stopped just typing. <laughs> A capital letter D oh. into my Google Notes. So oh, you I'm got having the D, a, huh? I'm having a pretty hard time tracking you have, my so notes. So you're getting that big D. You have, a, you, have, yes. you have a big D ghost. But also, Tokyo Drift is dog shit. I'm sorry, you can't. Nothing. It's the worst of the bunch. That's just because um, you, you're okay racist. You're, it's okay if you're wrong. It's fine to be wrong. And racist. you're wrong. Just so you know. Yeah, I'm I'm wrong. I'm racist against oh, tell me Lucas. The, tell me the sorry. Goose. Tell me. I'm racist against Lucas Black okay. because his hey, last hey, name Kush, is Kush, Black. Kush. Tell me the good scene in Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, when all the cars race out of the warehouse <laughs> and uh, mess up the cops because there's nineteen thousand uh, yeah. race cars. And also, oh, hold on, when Paul Walker and Tyrese jump a car onto a yacht. Oh See, yes, yeah. How okay. dare you? Don't do come you, at me like that. Do you want the ones from Tokyo Drift? Because there are more. The one where they I'm drift saying, or the if, one if where you, they drift? The first one when Lucas Black races a kid who drives a Viper through an Orlando neighborhood, which, yeah, I picture that easily under construction. That's pretty dope. Um, then we've got uh, the scene where Han and Lucas Black in the car together spin around these chicks' car. Drift all the way around it. Guys, I have a very important question for both of you, real fast. Why is this important to this show? Why? No, I have a very, (laughs) very important question. When was the last time you saw all of these movies? Because I don't remember shit from any of them. Uh, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't seen Tokyo Drift in 15 years. The last time I saw uh, Too Fast, Too Furious was like six years ago. See, the old Drift came on on TNT, I believe, about four weeks ago. 
Here's a critically important note that I cannot stress enough. We have recorded for 50 minutes and we are 10 minutes into this episode. <laughs> 12. Oh, oh, sorry. Mm. My bad. Five of that was was a break. So. Uh, five of that was us talking about well, dog shit. When are, we, when are we doing the Captain Marvel interstitial? Because I want to know. <laughs> oh, that's all staying in. Uh, yeah. Well, no, so we anyway. haven't done it yet. We haven't done the full interstitial. We did fruit. That was our friend at the beginning. This was about fruit. Oh, sorry. Did you have more Captain Marvel notes you want to talk about? Because well, I want to know. Questions. I had questions. Yeah. Well, so so that's that's is that actually the beginning of the Avengers? What? No. Huh? No. It, at the end, he's typing about the Avenger project. No, that's not. How well, that that's starts. what. No. God damn. Yes, <laughs> Captain Marvel in the first Iron Man. Nick Fury says. Oh, you really thought you were the first? Like he—he he says there are other people out there. Oh, you mean he that knows. one? That's correct. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Nick, this is the start of the Avenger initiative in Nick Fury's head. Mm-hmm. Yes, but were there Avengers? So there, there were Avengers before Nick Fury. There was, there was Captain Marvel before Nick Fury conceived of the Avenger initiative that started with Tony Stark, yeah. and potentially who knows who else? Because there was like I don't know, fifteen years between that. Anyway. At 4.12, we see Wayne Palmer <laughs> tell David Palmer that um, he's meeting with Ann Packard's ex-husband, Ted, in 30 minutes to pay him off uh, because uh, he's trying to blackmail Ann about his stupid pharmaceutical bullshit. Um, David doesn't seem very pleased, um, and Wayne asks, well, have you changed your mind? And David says, I've never given in to blackmail. And Wayne says... Well, giving this guy a little bit of money will make life easier for everyone. And we decided to do this. And David says, I decided. Yeah. It was my choice. Fuck, fuck David. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bit of a dick. And Wayne Wayne just says, we need to send this guy crawling back under his rock. He just wants money. And uh, as David kind of nods and agrees, uh, he receives a phone call from Jack Bauer. And uh, he says that he's heard CTU had received final instructions from Hector Salazar on delivering Ramon. And uh, he's also been told that Jack may be able to preempt that demand. And um, Jack lets him know about Kyle Singer. And then he says, well, he's been lost and can't be found within the next two hours. So <laughs> where do we go from here? That's this, Jack, you have two and a half hours to find a dude that is within a two-mile radius of you. Just look for him. So, So David says... So either I hand over Ramon Salazar or risk that his brother will release the virus. And Jack says, Mr. President, I realize this is an impossible choice. And Which is great. Is it really yeah, an David's, impossible David's choice? Perfect. His response is perfect to this. Yeah, David says, what does David say, Curtis? No, it's not impossible. It's not a choice at all. I don't negotiate with terrorists, Jack. I won't negotiate with terrorists. But, but why why not though? But here's here's the thing. So what David says, and Curtis, to your point on it being a perfect response, I agree and I disagree because so David says this nation's policy of non-negotiating with terrorists is a proven deterrent. Capitulating to Salazar to Salazar would destroy that policy. And one, no one ever knows when these things happen, mm-hmm. which comes up in a moment. And uh two, the virus is already out in the wild if no one has Singer, yep. which no one has Singer right now. So, like, that ship don't sail, homies. Like, yeah. the virus is out. Yeah, because it's not that, it's not that he's going to release it if they can't find Singer. It's it's going to be released if nobody finds Singer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, it, it's already, it's already, the fuse is lit, friends. 
Right. So Jack says hundreds of thousands of people die will die within a week if we don't meet their demands. And David just says millions will die if I let him go and we declare open season on the American people. I don't negotiate with terrorists, Jack. I won't negotiate with terrorists. And um, they hang up because Jack says, I understand. And I can't I cannot decide if this is just Palmer being like an intractable shithead again or actually like being a good president. Yeah, because it's, it's being president hard. requires some sort of like nuanced thought. You got some you got some shitheadery in there, but yeah, you have to think about things a certain way. Would it really be open season though on American people if like no. You release this one drug lord and then you got the virus and then you just took your army back down there and then you shot him in the face? And and that's that is such a that we'll get into this later. It's not like they're giving him a pardon. But like the whole thing is like this whole plan hinges on releasing Hector Salazar. Just like put a tracker in his butt. <laughs> like with a link somewhere. Like and just like wait two days to turn on. So like they just like, oh, we did our little wand hang like thingy. We didn't turn we didn't see any like outgoing transmissions. Just wait a day. Or just use and your then, spy planes to follow him from where he goes. Right. It's not there that hard. So many, there are so many options about this. Uh. Um, so uh, they hang up and David tells Wayne to get a conference call together with CDC and health services to talk about quarantine and evacuation protocols. And we get another tiny clock at 415. Please take a drink. We see Kyle and Linda driving along. And uh, Linda asks Kyle, hey, where are we going? <laughs> and he just says, I don't know. Because, by the way, he stole her car. Um, <laughs> he says, I don't know. I just need to get out of town and figure everything out. And... Um, Linda is just like, why the fuck if I, why did I bail you out if not for drugs? And he's just like, oh, it wasn't drugs. I think I have a weird disease and I smuggled that one into um, the country. The, it is the, the weirdest way for someone to tell someone else that they have an STD. It just doesn't but, make any sense. Yeah. By the way, the worst one, this whole like exchange was, he just says, the government said I brought some weird disease into the country. They're saying it was inside of me. And she's like, in, in your, your body? body? <laughs> and he's like, I yes. know it sounds ridiculous, right? The whole thing is so surreal, Linda. Which, one, by the way. He doesn't know what I don't that word care means. If she, I don't care if she didn't graduate high school. Yes, the disease is in his body. <laughs> Two, there is no way Kyle Singer, one, graduated high school yeah. to knows how to correctly use the word surreal <laughs> so, but guys i gotta say something for olinda here let's hear it i this i feel like someone broke into the writer's room a female and i was like you know what i'm gonna for the first time in the history of this show give a blonde white woman a brain because <laughs> here it comes y'all because Kyle says the things stupidly about what's in his body. And while Linda may have asked a dumb question about if it's in his body or not, once she got the answer, mm. Linda got real, real smart. Mm -hmm. And she so says, she's, pull over, Kyle. <laughs> so she says pull over. Yeah. And, and then she doesn't. pulls them and over. what does she do? What does she do? She grabs the wheel and pulls that fucker Kyle's over. Kyle's trying to say, but no, Linda, I'm fu No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, fuck that. All the way so, over. She, so she grabs the wheel, pulls them, forces them off the road. And Curtis, to your point, yes, <laughs> super important. I do think that, one, there was a woman in the room to say, like, no woman would go along with this. <laughs> but two, 
there weren't two women in the room to be like, hey, writer's note, don't put her in a white blouse with one button yeah. directly yeah. under her boobs. Correct, yes. Um, and, and also, she would have just run. Mm. She would have run away yeah. immediately. Yeah. There, there, weren't, there wasn't like a second woman no. in the room to be like, this isn't, this isn't great. Um, which, yeah, I, I got We got to talk at some point about her outfit because it is just she is Kim 2.0, but not quite as dumb as Kim, which is a <laughs> troublesome sort of thing. Um, and so. So, yeah, she pulls them off the road. She runs out of the car and um, Linda jumps on. She says, you know what? Take the car. Take the money. But if you have some disease, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smart. And. As Kyle is saying, like, oh, baby, you're right. I'll stay away. No, you're totally right. Just come here for a second. Yeah, just, okay. Um, just, I'll stay away in a second. L- Linda says, hey, the money's under the front seat. What happens next? Somehow they caught up with them, even though they had no idea what kind of car they were in or which direction they may have gone, and he could have turned at any given moment. But they're right there within 15 seconds after they pull this, off the road. This bullshit Chevy, Chevy Silverado. The Chevy the Chevy right Silverado See, God, pulls up. You know what? If they had been driving a Ford Focus rather than a, God, a dirty German Beamer, That's true. they'd have gotten away. They'd have gotten they'd away. been farther away than they could even hope to ever accomplish for the Chevy. The Rally Focus. Just a nice... Just a nice Ford Fusion, maybe oh. a couple of years too oh. early, but man, the, okay. the comfort and just oh, the ride on that bad boy, just so nice. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so they grab Kyle and and throw them into the back of of a truck, and I I do have a note: the sheer impracticality of Linda's wardrobe. Like, even if you're just out for a, like a day on the town, <laughs> the one button blouse is just a bold move. I I just man, I it don't was know it was the early two, it was the early aughts in L.A. Yeah, it was just the style, time, then, man. man. And it's just some nice khaki shorts. Um, so we got a fedora. We, she needed a fedora. She, you know, if she had a fedora, this look actually would have been complete and fine. If she had but a fedora, she, she would have looked exactly like the girl who got photoshopped out of that picture from Tilt. There are two things that would have made this fine. One, a fedora, which she did not have. Two, blonde dreadlocks, which she did not have. Someone fucked up. Blonde dreadlocks would make nothing better ever. No, but it would have completed her look. It wouldn't have made it better, but it would have made it right. Michael, you're wrong. Can we talk about Shirley's Bad Theron's? Boys too had, had Blondie Dread. Remember that guy? I remember Shirley's Theron having dreads in uh, Fast Fate of the, Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Fast Furious. Eight. Yeah, that one. No, Furious Eight. <laughs> Guys, we we spent enough time on this one. You need to get to the point. Yeah, she still she was still great, Michael. What's the problem? I don't, I don't remember. Even with the blonde, I'm just saying, I don't remember my been, point. It would not have been a good look, but it would have been the correct look, and that's it's a good fine. point. So right. we cut to see you. We see Michelle Dessler talking to David Palmer on a go to meeting, um, and they she says they are monitoring the quarantine zone, a two mile radius around where Kyle Singer was last seen, the mall. And uh, Nicole Duncan from the CDC tells President Palmer that. Um, we're ready to start screening and releasing people from quarantine. And oh, by the way, I think if we move very quickly, we can lower the casualty estimate just a bit from sixty thousand, from ninety thousand people to sixty thousand people, um, which doesn't seem to really impress David so much. Um, and as they're talking, uh, Wayne gets a phone call and walks away. And um, David looks at everyone on the call and says. We're about to set into motion a chain of events that will create panic throughout the country and that will take some time to control. If, And this is, by the way, to his closest advisors. Um, 
but not his cabinet or really like <laughs> chiefs of staff or anyone seemingly important. It's just some guys on a teleconference. Um, if anyone sees an option I'm missing, you just go ahead and tell me. Yeah. yeah it not- makes sense. He's at, he's at desperation mode, man. Yeah, but I, I picture this like this is almost like a scene in Tropic Thunder <laughs> when Robert Downey Jr. is trying to ask uh, Ben Stiller's character how to get cut like Rambo. Not Rambo 1, but 2 when he was all cut up, man. And he's like, any tips? Any tips you got? <laughs> and that's all he's asking these folks. Any, any tips? Any tips? And they're just silent as a motherfucker. And, like, but, but, no. My point, I guess like I realized why David, after having been betrayed by like the head of the DOD and yeah. the CIA in previous seasons, like wouldn't really lean on his like trusted advisors, but like he is just talking, I think to a room of reporters to <laughs> debate prep staff and reporters. Yeah. At so best. It's not great, but, but, but fellas, we got, we got a, a break coming up and then I think somebody has a tip. Yeah. So Wayne, uh, who had walked away to get a call, walks back in and tells David that, Jack is on the phone Mm. and he hands David the phone and then tells, I assume, I have to assume very unnecessarily everyone in the room, hey, let your key personnel know that there's a threat and make sure they're ready to go. Hopefully, Wayne didn't have to tell everyone that, but we get a tiny clock at 418. Please take a drink. And um, we see David on the phone with Jack Bauer and Jack immediately asks if the line is secure. And says, Mr. President, for what it's worth. Also, wait, I, one very important second. Yeah, hit, hit me. He called the president on his personal cell phone and it got patched through. Would any call the president makes on his personal cell phone be on an unsecured line? I mean, here's what I figured. Why would you ever put the president on well, a non-secured line? Wait, he did call, he did call human Wayne. Being, he did call Wayne, not the president. I mean. But I, I don't. If, here right, is the thing: if point. a dude had, if a dude had saved you, <laughs> that's not a good point. Your life twice, <laughs> and like caught your wife doing really bad shit. Like, if there's one guy who's like, yeah, he gets to come. I don't care what number he calls on. If Jack Bauer wants to talk to me, that's the end of that conversation. Yeah. So, but also, if there's one guy who, who would have a secure <laughs> slash direct line to the Prezo. Mm-hmm. That guy is the guy. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have, it wouldn't even be a conversation. That's true. This is secure, right? <laughs> but we very soon learn why Jack is a little worried mm-hmm. about people maybe listening in to this phone conversation. You, you know what? He shouldn't be worried. This is barely what Jack wants to do is barely a, a, a what is it? A state prison felony in Texas. It's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. Like, I, now here's the thing. Cheating on a fishing tournament. God damn, Jack. You're, whew. It, it's barely a surprise, um, but um, so Jack says, for what it's worth, I agree with you for supporting this country's policy of not negotiating with terrorists, which is bold. Um, but he says, I have another option, which will protect this nation's integrity and also stop this outbreak. Don't do anything, Mr. President. And David reads that as, well, if I do nothing, Ramon will stay in prison. And Hector will be pissed and release the, the the virus. And what does Jack say? Just says, I got this shit. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Ramon ain't staying in that jail. No. Nah, he he's going to get broken out and no one will know. And they'll just think it was a prison break. Yeah, and Jack David says, says uh, Jack says the most hilarious two sentences of all time. He says, 
Because of the nature of my involvement with the Salivar- Salazars, I can break him out and deliver him. And then he drops a real big whopper. And I have a history of insubordination <laughs> with CTU. So they would believe I switched sides. Well, bef- but before that, when Jack is ex- explaining the plan and David's like, well, who's going to break him out of prison? It's like me. Did did David just have to ask? Like, he, he knew it was Jack, right? No, David Palmer is a moron. <laughs> Oh, you're calling like, me with this plan and somebody else is going to go through with it. Even this even this new and improved like season three, David Palmer, who kind of seemingly understands the game of politics, <laughs> still does not understand. Having twice been saved by this man, Jack Bauer, does not understand how Jack works. Also, Jack, no. uh, Jack was going to fly a nuclear fucking weapon out into the middle of the desert and die in an airplane. Not interested. But he's but he's gonna give somebody else the job of breaking Hector Salazar or Ramon Salazar out of prison. Exactly. Um, but you guys are missing something that happened in in Jack Bauer before this this occurred. Hit me. When when the president told him that he would not negotiate with terrorists, that he would not give Salazar up, a little smile came over Jack's face. You know why? <laughs> not because he gets to go insubordinate against Ethiopia, not because he gets to be a badass bring Salazar out of prison. He knows that Hector got that good shit. Oh, got that, oh yes. He got, that, he got that quality horse, that secretariat, if you will, y'all. <laughs> Chris, what part of you right now thinks Jack is just in this to take over the entire Salazar drug ring? Oh, no. Not, zero. Okay. No, he doesn't, wow. he doesn't want to be in charge of drug dealers. Oh, well, that's actually a great point. If he, anything in this, the history of the show, <laughs> there is a... Yeah. If anything is clear, it's that Jack does not want leadership responsibility. No, he doesn't want no. to sit at home and count his money. He wants. To, he's 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 like you know what? I would just want to be a foot soldier and just kill people. Is that yeah. okay? Can I do that? If Salazar said, "I'll make you my chief assassin and I'll pay you in heroin," Jack's like, "Oh my, you found you, that's Shangri La. You did it. Thanks, buddy." <laughs> Jack Jack is, is definitely more of a gun thug than a uh, than a mastermind. Um, so uh, gun thug Howard, three, played by Jack Bauer. <laughs> Palmer says, this doesn't really sound like a one-man job. And Jack just says, well, we don't really have time to figure that out. And if we quarantine the virus, even if we quarantine the virus, the resulting civil unrest will far outreach any quarantine zone, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And Jack just says, Mr. Palmer, I need your okay. And Palmer reminds Jack that if we do this, you will be a fugitive to your country because... Presidential pardons only extend to my kids committing crimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Jack says, don't worry, Mr. President. This will be my final assignment. And Jack says, or Palmer says, well, I don't know what to say. And what does Jack say to that? He says, I will take your silence as a go for this mission. And, and what does Palmer say? Man, he says nothing. Absolute. Five nothing. seconds of silence. Jack says, Good luck, Mr. President, and hangs up and speeds out of the garage. He Jack drives time. off in a beautiful yes. Ford a Expedition. Sleek, there it is. Black Ford Expedition, the kind of vehicle you want to be in oh. when you're putting your life on the line. With those new tires country. too, squeaking squeaking mm-hmm. up the up the ramp. Mm. Oh, if you want to get man. jacked up and jacked in, you gotta buy this Jack Black Ford Expedition. Oh. How about that? Oh. Are you sure you're not in media? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry. What's that? 7.9% interest? I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> we cut to commercial at 420. We come back at 425 and we open up on Did you Doctor. Say 420? Yeah, you fucking maniac. I got five on it. <laughs> we come back to Dr. Ann Packard saying she wants the information from Dr. Duncan. Holy crap, my keyboard's doing it again. There's whiskey in it. <laughs> and um, she's requesting information from Dr. Duncan from CDC uh, sent directly to her with eyes only clearance, which again, she is the president's personal doctor. I don't know how she gets top secret clearance, but here we are. He gave it to um, her so that she could... Um yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, she just was like, "You and, have um, I upped your clearance to eyes only. Don't worry about it." So she hangs up and she turns around and sees Wayne Palmer being handed a briefcase and acting shady. And he walks. Why do they do everything out in the open in the debate prep room? Yeah, right. It's just at USC it's, at yeah, a college. It's, it's, in, it's in the gymnasium. But then she's just like, yep. "Hey, Wayne." Uh, what, what's what's the briefcase for? What you who you meeting, and buddy? What's in you, a classic twenty four leap of intuition, she's like, "Oh, hey, where you where you going? The debates in thirty minutes. You ain't doing nothing about non debate stuff." And he's like, <laughs> "Like I or so it's government sorry, business. Like, it's yeah, government like, business." So she didn't need to jump to such conclusions. And Wayne didn't need to be stupidly creepy. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, so so Mike, Michael, do you want to? <laughs> How, Michael, you be Wayne. Okay, yeah, yeah I got this. I'll yep. be Anne. Okay, okay. Hey, Wayne, where are you going with that briefcase? Uh, uh, just uh, uh, government business. Oh, does it have anything to do with my ex-husband, the pharmaceutical drug kingpin? Well, it, I, like I said, it's uh, government business. And then he gives her a look. <laughs> yeah, he just wasted. He just, he's like government. Business, and then she says, "I know you never liked me, Wayne." And, and he just, just like, stares at her. Government business. business. I already say you government business. <laughs> like it's this well, whole so, like it's whole like it's like, hey Wayne, is that money for my ex husband? I mean, probably. <laughs> Bitch, is that is that money for my ex husband? Most likely, Wayne. I know you want to give that money to my ex husband to make David hate me, and he's like. Yes, bitch. <laughs> it's on. Yeah. And he walks this away. Is, yeah. That's it. This is for Ped Tackard. <laughs> <laughs> you dumbass. So we get a tiny clock at 426. Please take a drink. At CTU, we see Michelle looking nervous as she calls the hospital to see if Tony has gone to the surgery yet. And um, she calls to let the doctor know that Tony's allergic to penicillin. Cool. And um, the nurse says, <laughs> yeah, no, he's already under the knife. And uh, I guess we knew that. And we he see says Mich- that his we see uh, allergy card was in his stuff. But, like, I'm allergic to penicillin and I don't have an allergy card. And now this is making me think I should have an oh, allergy yeah, my card. Dude, you should have a bracelet or a card somewhere. You need to have that. Because mm-hmm. penicillin get that, ta- is, get that is, tattoo is, is, over is, your is, heart. Penicillin is given pretty, pretty, uh, pretty liberally, folk. It's uh, you need to do that. <laughs> I'm worried about you yeah. now. It's not good. Or get, I mean, get a tattoo on your on your heart. I mean, I'm yeah, not even something. entirely sure I'm still allergic to it. I just had a bad reaction when I was like six, and I never had. Yeah, it I mean, again. go on, go on, get like if you can find some uh, vibranium, go on, get that Wakanda tattoo on your in your mouth. Game. If, if, you I, guys if I can find some to? penicillin, I should just test it out on myself. Don't do that. Allergic. No, don't. You no. guys want to know what I'm allergic to? Hmm. We, Neo, we, we, we remember we did one of those experiments in Montreal with our friend, and it didn't work out for him. <laughs> what I mean, it worked out eventually, but we had we had this that was a, real hard. That was an experiment. I accidentally <laughs> bought him a candy bar with peanut in it, and then I took a bite. Michael took a bite, and then I handed it to him, and then he took a bite, and he was like, "Is there peanut in this?" And then I ran to a drugstore. <laughs> oh to get no! Actually, because it was different than that. What actually occurred is that 
we were describing what made the candy bar so delicious. He was biting into it, and one of the one of the ingredients mm, was peanut yeah. butter. And his first reaction was peanut butter. And we Wasn't all it realized, take five? oh, oh, we no, tried. It was not no, take it was, five. It was, it was a Canadian only of, bar. It was some. It was different. some sort of delicious Quebecca qu- 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 yeah. um, bullshit. Magnificent. Um, yeah, do you guys want to know what I'm allergic to? What? Neosporin. Really? Are you fucking yeah. serious? Deathly allergic. Oh, to bud. Sorry, bud. Don't even, don't even, if I get cut, don't even bring that, I, that shitty nonsense. What, what, what about the, like the polysporin stuff that, that has like the one, fine. the one less Just sporin? Just not the Neo. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's that third sporin that really gets me. <laughs> it's, it's the new sporin. I'm say, it's that the, old sporin. It's the, it's the Keanu sporin? That's the problem <laughs> for you right there? Yep, can't, can't handle it. Um, so at CTU, <laughs> Chloe approaches Michelle, uh, as she hangs up with the doctor and Chloe walks up to apologize for her insensitivity earlier since I wasn't aware Tony had been shot. And she says, I do try to be aware of other people. You know that, don't you? <laughs> she, it's, a, it's such a, just, it's such a dumb line until you realize like 10 seconds later that it's so prescient. Well, so this is that line is one thing. It's the second line, which is, I think, what I've actually interacted with in the workplace, because (laughs) Michelle says, it's fine. Go away, Chloe. I'll be fine. And Chloe walks out and then runs into Gael in the hallway, our mole. And um, (laughs) she just says, hey, Gael. I think we all need to be very careful to how we talk to Michelle because she's really sensitive about Tony, you know, being shot in the neck. Tell everyone. Tell everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I did laugh at that when it's like, I guess somebody did tell her, hey, Tony got shot. So, you know. Be nice. So she realized that. But I, I, I do say this. I do love this line. The next line that she speaks to Gael, because I addressed this in the last episode. It was kind of weird what Gael was doing mm-hmm. in CTU. Well, there's two things about this, Curtis. Two, two things before you get into it. Go for it. No, you tell me what happens, and I'll, like, immediately, well, tell I mean, me what happens, and I'm so, going to jump in. So, so you know, Guile's phone rings, his cartel phone. Um, that he has the ringer turned all the way right, up on. Right, right. On his personal cell phone, on, he's not right. supposed to have. And so, he, he says, I got a personal call, says it to Chloe, and then Chloe says, is that a personal cell? I thought we prohibited those because they can't be monitored. Which, yeah, yeah, what <laughs> the fuck, CTU? That should be a rule. Yeah, so, immediately. So two things. On one hand, mm-hmm. this is exactly the kind of thing that I would have ready to go if I were cornered in a hallway by Chloe O'Brien <laughs> telling me how to act emotionally with my coworkers. Oh yeah, I have this call. I have this call, Chloe. I gotta... Oh, ring, ring, ring. Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> but also, it is very much so illegal. And he says. <laughs> Well, it's for interagency use, and they're going to monitor it on the other end. <laughs> and uh, oh, I got to, I got to take this call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're creepy now, Gael. So uh, they walk. Chloe away, gonna catch that moto. He shoots Chloe a look as she walks away, and we get another tiny click of four twenty-seven. Please take a drink. And Gael, Gael answers the phone, and it is Hector Salazar, and he asks, "Hey, they let my brother out or not?" And he's being a real turd about it. <laughs> and uh, Gael says, I'll call you back if I hear anything about it. And they hang up and Hector looks around in his little Mexican mansion and sees a ornate box that is open and appears to have something missing. And he looks in and opens it up and it is a custom gun box. And one of his ornately designed pistols. Those are pretty is, dope, though. 
pretty cool and also pretty missing. Um, and he hears a knock on the door in the distance and he draws another gun <laughs> and then races through the house and opens the door and pulls someone out of a room in the, in, in the distance. And who is it? It's Sergio, uh, Claudia's Sergio. son. Claudia, no, Claudia's brother. Oh, sorry, Claudia's brother. There is seven, eight year old brother who had snuck into Hector's room, taken the gun and Hector says, it's not good to touch him. It's not yours. <laughs> and then he checks the gun and notices it's loaded. And like any good adult, what does he do? He says, did you even know it was loaded? And Sergio still looks back at him. He's terrified. And then he goes, do you want to shoot? Do it? You want to shoot? <laughs> Here, hold it. <laughs> do you like the way it feels? Do you want to? You want to hear the sound it makes when you pull the trigger? Do you want to fucking murder something? Do you? You want to fucking murder it? That's what yeah. power feels like, yeah, this Sergio. Wasn't, this wasn't good. Yeah, that's what you power know? feels no. like. A gun. Yeah, it feels that, like a that's gun. That's the worst line ever. Mm. He like yeah. So it, that's what power feels like, Sergio. It feels like a gun. Like oh, like oh buddy. So Hector's bad. Oof. But so so he uh, kind of guides Sergio into shooting at a. <laughs> planter in the in the first floor and as soon sure. as sergio pulls the trigger who comes running out well claudia hears it because there's guns being fired inside the fucking house yeah. and she comes out and sees sergio holding the gun and she's like what the fuck i told you to keep him out of this he's seven years old she takes the gun from sergio and she points it right at hector and curtis what does hector do i mean Hector's looking at his lady friend, pointing a weapon at him, and he says, "What are you gonna do? You what gonna, is he doing? Gonna though? shoot me physically? Physically? I mean, he's he's giving her the what's up, man, putting his head Boy, out. He licks he, he licks his finger, puts it right on his puts forehead, it on his forehead, yeah. like right, put it right here. Here's the dare, you know. And and Claudia looks very willing. Oh yeah, to put one right through his oh, fingertip. God. But then she looks back and sees Sergio watching around the corner like me watching a racer when I was eight years old. Um, and she sighs and throws the gun down on the couch and walks out and collects Sergio. And guys, well, first, right before now, she throws the gun down, she like uncocks it and and clears the chamber before she throws it down, which shows that she knows how to use a fucking Extremely competent. Extremely competent yeah. with a gun. So I got to ask, knowing that, who is going to kill Hector right now? Claudia. Sergio, Oriel, their father, or Jack, I, or Hex, or, or Ramon. I I really think Claudia is going to do it. She you wants it so getting, bad. Okay. The Curtis, Curtis die. Who's Curtis is gone. <laughs> Curtis is just gone. He's gone from the webcast. <laughs> what? He, he just he just left. He there's only so many places he can go. He's in a hotel room. Oh, he's back. There he is. There's there's our, our sweet sweet boy, Curtis. Yep. So we were just talking about who do you think is going to kill Hector? We said Claudia, Sergio, Oriel, or Jack, or player to be named later. Or um, maybe he kills everyone and doesn't die. He lives forever. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, he's dead. Ah, uh, fuck. Ramon. You think Ramon's going to come? Mm. I th- oh, that's I think, a- I think Claudia might put a little hex on Ramon, and then Ramon kills his own brother. Ooh. That's a. Oh, I like that. I like Call that shot. a lot. Mm-hmm. Here, oh, the Curtis had that on. That reveals a great question before we get into the halfway point of this episode, an hour and a half into the episode. <laughs> um, where, where do Claudia's allegiances lie? 
her fam. To her fam? Her dad and or her brother. To, or to not Hector. To not Hector, definitely. <laughs> right. She's a never but, Hector. Yeah, I mean, I need, to to know, I need to know if Claudia was fucking Ramon and then is fucking Hector now. No, or, there's no way she would do that because Ramon would, Ramon would murder her 17 times if he knew that she was I, with him and then went to Hector. I mean, does she have to know? Okay. So you think you think Claudia might have been fucking Ramon I, before? I mean, but it's possible. But I think Claudia's leading to Claudia and her family. Mm. That's okay. Like, she's a boss. That's she's that's a, actually she, the she's best. She's a boss. You know, the rest of y'all, the, these dudes, they're just they're just here. Ah ah! Oh no! Sorry. What happened, bud? <laughs> My keyboard is typing S's where it shouldn't. <laughs> S's, someone from D's, D's to S's, huh? That's not good news. <laughs> Swore a hey papa. It's fine. Okay. Um oh yeah, Curtis, that that's interesting. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how uh how Claudia really grows into this 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 season. Um but we get a tiny clock at 4 30. Please take a drink. Um we see two men bring Kyle Singer and Linda into a warehouse. They drag them in. One man in a full bio suit puts them into a large containment cell that has it's a metal block with four round windows. Um he throws them in, they shut the door, and then the man in the bio suit opens up a hose on the other <laughs> two men that brought Kyle in there. And first of all, they take their shirts off, but not pants, and like, hey, can we see that those dicks, Oh, they were please? getting there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Kyle also, and Linda you... definitely got to peek at those dicks. Mm-hmm. But but also, can you imagine if you were kidnapped? Like, that's got to be terrifying enough. Like, three men bring you into a warehouse, and then they throw you into a little, like, weird prison cell. And then <laughs> two of the men who kidnapped you Stripped down naked and get hosed off by a man wearing a bio suit. But they weren't using any type of chemical or anything that would neutralize. You don't know the- that. You don't know that. It could have been in the hose. In the hose? No. It was just a fucking fire hose. <laughs> you know, we didn't see where that no what that hose was connected to. You didn't see what that was connected to. Michael, where where was the 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 shower in the the hazmat suit from uh, the hot zone in uh, the Kyle Singer apartment? Yeah, don't don't prejudge the hose, bro. Okay, <laughs> yeah. You don't know. Hey, bros before before hose. Yeah, I don't fucking know. But anyway, can you imagine watching that and be like, (laughs) oh no, I'm, oh man, I don't think I'm going to do this one. This one's bad. I think I'm going to, I think I'm very dead. Yeah, I'm, oh shit. Um, So we see Anne Packer talking to David Palmer about her ex-husband, Ted, and uh, (laughs) she says, oh, by the way, we never finished our conversation about my deadbeat ex-husband who's blackmailing you. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says, you know, Wayne really brushed me off earlier, and I when I confronted him about, you know, paying bribes, and uh, I quote, got the feeling that David is paying Ted to keep him quiet. Yeah. And what does Anne say? Sorry, what does David say? Sometimes you have to do the wrong thing for the right reason. <laughs> and I have to do it to no, stay in office. Hold on. <laughs> See, now you're moving too fast. Now, now you done fucked it up, Kush. There it is. What did I miss? I said it. I did it. What did I miss? What I fucked up? <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, he says, so, so, so I was going to say, I love this, this line from David, this, these four lines. He says, well, I guess two lines. Sometimes you do the wrong thing for the right person or for the right reason. And he says, and then he says, it doesn't make me feel better. 
it just happens to be the truth. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, he's finally becoming like an adult in this. He's like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not gonna let, you know, bitches who threaten LA threaten the whole country for forever. But Mr. President, no, nah, I'm good. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna let, you know, this, this asshole be president because your ex-husband is a douche canoe. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pay him off and tell him to fuck off. Like, but David, you're a good man. I am. That's why I'm giving him the money. Just go to hell. So yeah, that's, yeah, why just, that's why I'm protecting you and, you know, continuing to be president. Correct. Because this other douche canoe is going to blow it. Yeah, so he says he says all that, Curtis, to your point. And he just says, I've been in this job for nearly four years. And if there's one thing as I've learned the hard way, it's that there are no absolutes. Which, by the way, this is 20 minutes after he made an absolute declaration that the U.S. does not de- de- negotiate with terrorists. Um, and sometimes you have to make compromises. Mm-hmm. And Anne says... Politically, yes. But when it comes to morality, David, you have to draw the line. And David says, I have drawn the line. We're just on different sides. <laughs> I'm fighting to stay in office for the people who put me here. And uh, I can either... And Anne says, okay, that's fine, you dipshit. <laughs> you can either do that or you can face killer's lie, tell the truth, and t- and trust the people... To tell the difference. <laughs> I love this I love this whole You've, trust the people thing that keeps happening in the right? first three seasons because like we've learned that you cannot in yeah, fact a, trust any is, people. Seeing the show for the first time, you know, this week, her saying that was hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Like you tell people the truth, they can tell the difference. No, they can't. Nope. No, they cannot. Absolutely well, not. So nope. that's that's something I've I've learned about the show. So she says, David. Trust the people to tell the difference. You've never been about what's easy. You've been about what's right. That's why people elected you. And for what it's worth, that's why I fell in love with you. And so looking back on the show, when we were kind of concepting it and like some of the drinking game rules, I've always been like, haha, look at the quaint technology <laughs> of the early 2000s. Nah. Haha, look at that. Oh, what is that? A flip phone? What's that? What's that phone do? Snake 2? How quaint. Um... But the the technological implications of what people expect are so different. <laughs> like back in 2002, yeah, if I read something on the internet, I could kind of potentially assume it was true. No one does that anymore. No. I can't trust the, the simpletons on the internet cannot trust that something is true just because they read it on the internet. In fact, it is much more likely to not be true if you've read it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Man, technology really has fucked us, huh, yeah. guys? <laughs> um, so David Let's just says, all the ground. So as soon as as soon as Anne says that she fell in love with him for telling the truth, aka if you want to keep be fucking, you best not do this shit, David. David just says, "I was trying to protect you, and this will be much more uglier than you can imagine." And she says. I can defend myself. Mm. And she walks out, which I've got my doubts about AM, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And we cut to a parking garage where we see Wayne holding his hand against his forehead. So please take a drink. <laughs> New rule. As he is ready to meet Ted Packard, who, by the way, looks like a real weasel. Mm-hmm. And um, Wayne gets a call from David. And what does David say? <laughs> he says, have you made contact with Ted Packard yet? He says, no, I'm in the garage. I'm about to meet with him. David says, 
walk away. Walk away. <laughs> He's like, what? Yeah. Ex- excuse me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and David says, walk away. It's my, it's my decision. decision. And we get the, the, that like light soaring mm-hmm. 24 moves like, and we cut to commercial at 435 and Wayne drives right past Ted and tells him to fuck off. He doesn't say it. No, he, he, he looks it right. with his eyes. He actually, he looks at him and then he looks down and he's kind of like, fuck me, and then drives away. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to cut through a little bit here. We come back from a commercial at 4.39 and uh, at CTU, we see Gael, Adam, and Chloe meeting with Michelle saying that, and Gael presents to, to Michelle, hey, you know what? We've all talked it over. And that we're pretty sure we can take over for you here at CTU while you go hang out at the hospital, with Tony. Um, we got mostly this, don't me. Um, Adam can go do whatever the bullshit he does. Chloe can continue covering for me, and I can just really take over <laughs> for you. Because I've mm-hmm. done it before, you know, back in the day. My old boss used to let me basically Langley. run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, just like he, he, his excuse for it was like. My old boss was bad, and I used to do everything for him, so I can do that here, too. And um, Mich- Gael, his basic argument is like, this place shouldn't be run by committee, and you should put me in charge. And she and she just says, how about you do your job, mm-hmm. and I'll do mine, because you're not doing my job when there's a bio threat to the city yep. and the president is in town. And also, you've so been, you've been missing for like two and a half hours out of the last four so she doesn't say that for some reason, which is shocking because <laughs> no one has noticed. Not great. But we get it. Yeah. Sorry, Curtis, go ahead. No, it's not great. But yeah, Michelle, she does her job. It's mm-hmm. good. Nice to know she's there. I mean, I can't imagine this sort of pressure on something like I, I like again, I like I my head was out of the game for weeks after my dog was sick and her husband's in surgery. Michelle's a consummate professional mm-hmm. and she just says. No thanks. I fuck off. So whether it was back in the day or now, I've always been a big fan of Michelle. Michelle is awesome. Mm. Michelle, low key top three favorite character mm-hmm. on the oh, show. Yeah. yeah, I love Michelle. So we get another tiny clock. It's four forty one, and Jack calls CTU and gets Kim. <laughs> he says, "Hey he Kim, says, it's your dad." Kim, it's your dad. What are you doing now? <laughs> and he says, "A teeny weeny little favor." That a dad needs to ask his daughter. And what does he ask his daughter? Uh, I need, um, yeah, I need a transfer document. Transfer, prisoner, Salazar. Tra- prisoner transfer document. Yeah. Transfer for who, father? No, no big deal. I just have to move. I have to move Ramon, you know, this whole thing. You know, I got to get him somewhere safer. So, like, mm. can real quick, real quick, real quick. What does he say to Kim about why she's doing it? He, because CTU isn't supposed to know because it's been given priority clearance above CTU's head and no one there is supposed to know. But he, he's just, oh, I'm so tied up right now in this beautiful Ford expedition. I really need your computer skills, Kim. She says, I am the, you are the only one I can yeah, trust. I just really need and you. And I'm so guys, sorry about the whole chase thing too. Guys, guys, guys. Jack just made his own daughter complicit in a plot that he knows he cannot be forgiven for. <laughs> Fuck yes. This rule. He can How never come back, can... and he put Kim How? right in the middle of it. How 
fucking long has he been plotting this ultimate revenge against his shitty daughter? He got her a job at CTU that she wasn't qualified for, that she had no reason to be there for, that she, oh, way too young. He just set her up for fucking treason. Yep. Fuck yes. Hell yeah, dog. Jack <laughs> got her. set his own daughter got up her. to go to federal fucking prison just because she sucks. And he's going to show up. He's going to show up at federal prison in a disguise just to say hi to her and be like, that's for the fucking cougar, Kim. Mm. There was a cougar. Oh. I forget which Dylan brother it was exactly, Matt, but god Kevin. damn. It was Kevin. Was it Matt Steve. or Kevin? No one really the, the knows. Beaver, the Beaver Dylans? <laughs> That's the one. But Oh my god, this is so, so choice. Like, Jack deliberately sets Kim up yep. to go to jail mm-hmm. for aiding and abetting his <laughs> international criminal block. <laughs> Jack knowingly sets up his daughter to be an accomplice. This is amazing. Yeah, and she's the only one with the re- with the paper trail attached to it too. So he explains to Kim that this has priority clearance. No one should know. And then he has the gall, <laughs> the nerve, the chutzpah, and the fatherly love to apologize to Kim for overprotecting her earlier today and not listening to how much she loves Chase. I'm so sorry about that whole thing. So if you could just mm-hmm. keep abetting me as a criminal, that would be terrific because I'm totally no, on board with you and Chase. No joke. He just says, quote, I've watched so many things happen to you over the last few years and I just don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> the fact is, I trust your judgment <laughs> and I support you in anything you choose to do. Here's the thing. I trust your judgment in everything except at work, which is terrible, which you should know because I am telling you to violate protocol and really just help me break a terrorist out. Also, you just committed treason. Fuck yes. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. You're going to jail forever. And Chase will probably, too, because you never you never admitted your relationship to HR. So they're going to assume that he's in on it and you're all going to jail. Fucking double whammy. So Kim says. Well, thanks, Daddy. And what does Jack say? I love you. I love you. Mm, the kiss of death. Mwah. The 24 kiss of death. I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. And then he asks him, hey, can I talk to Chase? And she says, uh, yeah, mm, about that. He is actually at the prison with Salazar. <laughs> and Jack's not happy about that, huh? Mm, he no, he is please. kind of though, because that means he gets the fuck up Chase. He does get to punch Chase then. So Jack immediately hangs up with Kim and sa- and calls Chase and says, "Hey, um, go back to you <laughs> and uh, help Chloe do computer stuff yeah. to track Kyle Singer. Hey, feel it, and agent. Chase please says, go do computer stuff. Chase says, uh, "Sorry, Jack, I'm a punch boy, not a nerd. <laughs> um, and listen to me, Jack." I know you're angry about me and Kim. Jack, I get that. But I'm not going to let that stop me from doing my job. To which Jack says, your job is to follow my orders. Yeah. Jack's he right says, uh, you're not really in a position to be giving orders with that whole smack situation you have. <laughs> Calls and, him out on the smack. And he, this is why I love Jack so much. Because Jack yells. And then Chase legitimately calls him out. And Jack very quietly, like really tones it down. Cause I, I feel like he recognizes when he goes above mm-hmm. and just says, Chase, 
you don't want to go against me here. <laughs> and Chase, to his credit, gently reminds Jack that, hey, I'm the only reason that everyone at CTU doesn't know that you're a junkie. So uh, bye, bitch. And <laughs> oh, boy. But then he hangs up. He yeah. threatens Jack. But, then, but, but Jack gives him one. Jack gives what does him- Jack give him? Damn it, Chase! Take a drink, please. And we get a tiny clock at 4.44. Please take a drink. And uh, we cut to the tri- the prison where Chase has walked in and he's talking to Warden Mitchell and says that he needs suits. Hey, Sora. Hey, Sora. Um, sorry. Uh, Chase tells Warden Mitchell that he needs his Salazar. And um, the warden says, can't do it. Can't let you in without full paperwork since Salazar has been involved in <laughs> two murders. Two murders. <laughs> Guilty folks. Count them today. Count them. In like the last three hours. Count them. Two murders today in the th- last three hours. In the prison. Including, including a district attorney, <laughs> including bribing a prison guard on the payroll. Why the fuck? Surely two murders is enough to put you on like some sort of like serious lockdown. <laughs> like, surely. You can't do it. Yeah, they, they don't. Sorry, do they not Nelson. have? Do they not have solitary cells there? He didn't solitary, and he still killed that dude. That is not solitary. Mm. He's next so, to someone else. No, it was, so, it was the guard, bro. <laughs> the guard did it. Um, so Chase hears that, and in response to that, says, "You don't know what happened. What's happening today? Them beans." And what does he do with them beans? Though he throws them right at the <laughs> warden's face. Spills all the beans available. He plants a bean garden. <laughs> he he takes an entire can of beans and he pours it over Warden Mitchell's head. Sorry, I gotta throw a pill out. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So he just them beans out. Mm-hmm. The beans are planted, tilled. They're just Sown. they're grown. We got we got crops of beans growing. Um, and he says Ramon has been stalling me and Jack for months with quote his. Lawyers and his due process, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have time for that. And his constitutional so, rights and amendments. He's not a citizen, though. I get that's not how the constitution. Works. <laughs> um, so Mitchell thinks for a moment and then takes Chase back to Salazar's cell. And um, what does Chase ask Mitchell to do as he walks back into the hallway? Them cameras, though. Yeah, you're gonna have to get rid of these. Can you go on- just shut him down. Shut down that surveillance, man. Which, which Mitchell says, well, that's, quote, against regulations. And Chase says, don't worry, I won't leave any marks. So I, I don't like to bring politics into this show. But just so you guys know, that's what every black dude thinks happens every time we speak to the cops. Just it's, it's ingrained in our minds. So don't show it on TV. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's a good point, Curtis, because <laughs> what they do show on TV is Chase says, don't worry, I won't leave any marks. Yeah. Mitchell says, okie dokie. And then Chase <laughs> proceeds to leave marks. Oh, all the marks. He punches them right in the face region. He, he, he wraps a a like tea towel <laughs> around his fist, which God knows where he got that one. And then you always, always got to carry one in case you need to put it down someone's throat and pull out their intestines. Right. So um, <laughs> Jack taught him that Ch- one. The cell. Mitchell turns off the, the cameras. Chase walks into Salazar's cell and Salazar says, oh, you're a tough guy. eh? <laughs> you're not worried what will happen if you lay a finger on me. If you're not worried, 
Neither am I. And then he gets thrown. He gets punched right in the throat. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he gets thrown against the cell wall. And as we cut the commercial, what does Chase say? Let me know when you start to worry. As he's God pushing his face Chase. into the bars of the uh, the cell, just get this in the is business. Chase's best moment so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we cut the commercial at four forty six. We come back at four fifty one. Chase continues to beat up Ramon. Jack shows up and just says, "Hey, Chase, put him in his cell. We ran out of options. Salazar's the only way to get out of this bad boy." And uh, they throw him back in the cell. They close the door, and um, Chase says. Hey, sorry about all that talk about you being a junkie and uh, a bad father and like a bad person and uh, like, you know, you suck and everything. I blew it. Are we still buds? (laughs) Friends, though? (laughs) And Jack says, yeah, we cool. Don't worry about it. But you walk. Can you please walk directly in front of me? That would be Mm -hmm. terrific. Well, before he does that, he puts a very tender hand on Chase's cheek and just says, Hey, what's up with them cameras, though? <laughs> <laughs> Is this torture cool? And, and they are conveniently dead. Oh, yeah. Their toads mm-hmm. turned off. Jack, we have free reign with Ramon. Don't worry and about it. They Jack agrees with Chase. He's like, yeah, let's team up on Ramon. Get some let's intel. double team this mofo. Oh, yeah. And Chase starts walking back towards Salazar's cell and... um. Jack acts like a prison guard with a kid in trouble, and um, what does he do? He punches him right in the back right, of the right neck. Right in the small. And then, I like it. Yeah, right in, the, right in the small of the back, and then puts him in a chokehold, and man, Chase goes, he goes nighty-night. Yeah. yeah, so he goes sleepy by times, and Ramon is a little confused. Ramon Ramon's a little confused, and he says, Jack, you here to kill me? Jack says, yeah, I would so, so love to murder your face a hundred times, but uh, I, I'm getting you out of here. Just Yeah, if you play it cool, you're going to walk out of here with me in the next couple minutes, and you'll be with your brother in the next few hours. And they drag Chase into the cell, and Jack already has some zip ties for Chase's hands and ties him up as Salazar turns ready. away. And we get a little bit more on the Salazar-Jack kind of dynamic here in a second, but we get a tiny clock at 4.53, please take a drink. And we cut back to Wayne and Anne at USC, and Wayne asks her, how would you feel if David loses the election because of you? And she just says, I don't think it's likely. (laughs) And Wayne just says, oh, well, you don't know shit, huh? You're a dumb bitch. (laughs) Oh, you're a big old dum-dum. Yeah, he's a big dumb idiot. Cool, got it. <laughs> and then, um, he, and then, man, he really sticks it to her by saying, like, at least Sherry knew how to play the game. Yeah, because so she asks, like, why do you, why do you do, why do you hate me? You think I'm a liability, liability like Sherry? He's like, Sherry at least knew what she was oh, doing. Yeah, Sherry would you never undermine shit. his his candidacy because she wanted that power, though. Mm-hmm. Like Sherry was a liability because she was gonna go rogue. She wasn't a liability because she didn't know what she was doing, mm-hmm. which Anne clearly does not. Um, and also, Wayne drops a little nugget that Sherry also knows David. Yeah. To a degree that Anne does not and will never. Um, he's I mean, he's really sticking it to her. And she just stares at Wayne and says, I don't scare easily. And guys, I bet she's going to scare easily <laughs> enough to be gone by episode <laughs> nine. Nine. Okay. <laughs> Nine is my guess. Curtis, how long do you think Ant's going to last? I'm with you. I think, you know, the old third quarter of the season, she's she's done. 
So you don't think she's okay. the new first lady? No, no, no. She scares too easily. Do you think she survives to the end of the season? That's a that's a question. Like alive? Like or she's uh, gonna be dead? I think I think it's a. I, I would give her a a sixty percent sixty percent chance of surviving, but a thirty percent chance of having her you know relationship with David still a thing, still be a thing. So S- secondary question: not Do you think she meets Sherry Palmer? What? Do you think she meets Sherry Palmer? No. God, Sherry so I think, would I, rip I, her. I, yeah, so I think I think he lives past, past the season. If if he meets Sherry Palmer, that's not living. That's death. <laughs> Either mentally or physically. Like, it just no. You can't. No. Spir- it's spiritual death. Um. So we see Chase wake up in Salazar's cell, <laughs> gagged and tied up. We get a tiny clock at four fifty-five. Please take a drink. Um. Salazar is clearly not buying Jack's story and pretty much says, "Oh, let me guess. You didn't sell out." But Palmer couldn't ca- Palmer caved, but couldn't admit it. So you're just getting me out. And uh, he looks at Jack and says, "Yeah, I know what you're up mm-hmm. to." And Jack just says, "If you want to get out of here, why don't you go ahead and keep your mouth yeah, why don't shut? You shut the fuck up." <laughs> and uh, we see Chase trying to cut his binds on the edge of the sink in his cell. Which, guys, I actually used to work for a company that sold sinks and water fountains and toilets to prison companies. And hey, guess what? They don't have porcelain. Anything with hard yeah, edges. Yeah, there's no sharp them. edges on those fat boys. There's no sharp edges. There's nothing you can tie a knot to. That's just how prison works. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, so Jack is going to leave and he sees a, a nearby guard tells him that the warden wants to see him before he heads out. And uh, Warden Mitchell walks up and says, hey, Jack, hate to tell you this, but uh, your transfer code had yesterday. Your transfer order had yesterday's code on it. And Jack just says... Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, Someone man. in my office, which is Kim, by the yeah. way, must have screwed up. We'll handle it retroactively. And um, Mitchell kind of wants to know what's going on. Jack kind of bullshits him. And um, <laughs> Jack somehow talks him into letting them go. And we. Isn't the warden like, he's like, hey, BT Tubbs, uh, I just let Chase in here. And where is he, by the way? Yeah. Because Did you're you here. That? And Chase is there, and he told me to turn off the cameras and shit. So, like, it'd be great if I knew it was happening. And Jack's just like, I don't know, he's like pissing or some shit. <laughs> he's, and then he's searching the cell, I guess, to find more information. Like, some bullshit that doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, we see Chase cutting his wrist bloody red <laughs> on the on the edge of the sink, and Jack leaves. And as they're walking away, as Jack goes to collect his badge and gun, the warden has the guard turn the cameras back on. Which doesn't show anything in Ramon's cell, and he realizes that someone has altered the camera view, which we never saw, so continuity error. Um, and uh, Jack is at the guard station picking up his gun and badge. He gets them back, and for some reason, Mitchell doesn't flag for everyone that the camera view has been changed, and he runs to the cell before closing down the prison. And He waits until he, he finds there, Chase, cuts him out, and then Chase says... Hey, Jack f- is fucking stealing Salazar before he decides to lock the prison down. Yeah, so he says that. An alarm goes off. A klaxon Jack sound? Gets his, a klaxon sound. <laughs> Jack gets his gun and badge back in the nick of time, and another guard walks out of a hallway, and as soon as that happens, Jack just knocks this oh, bitch out <laughs> brutally. He fucks him yeah. up hard. He knocks him to the ground, kicks him in the face with a, like right in the nose oh, yeah. of his foot, and then he 
rather than escaping from the prison, runs back into the internal command center with Hector. And we see guards in riot gear storming through the halls of the prison. And Jack gets into a central command center and orders a supervisor at gunpoint to open all of the prison cells, to which the guy says, I can't do it from here. Which would make sense. It makes sense unless you were in the central command center of the prison. I still feel like this. I still feel like there isn't one place in the prison where you yeah. can open all of the cells. Right. Like I do not. Well, is, I do not agree with that. Well, what does Jack, Jack say says, to it, that man? Yeah, he says, "Is claim. it worth losing your life over?" Do it now. I mean, dude's like, no, it's not worth that. Thank it's you. actually not. Not at all. No, not close. Well, it's not worth his life, but it is worth the life of other guards who are currently <laughs> in those prison blocks because he turns a key. That sounds a like a them Jack problem and not, a, not a that yeah. dude problem. As What's Jack puts a gun to his neck, all of a sudden cells begin to an- begin to open all around the prison and Ramon smiles as prisoners begin to emerge from their cells and clearly tackle at least one prison guard. In a split screen, we see... Inmates savagely beating the prison guard. We see President David Palmer reviewing his game plan with Wayne and Anne. We see Michelle at her desk with her head in her hands. Please take a drink. And Kyle and Linda are sitting patiently in their containment cell as Chase leads Warden Mitchell and his men down the hall. They get to an armament cell and Chase cocks a shotgun. And Jack and Salazar take cover in another area of the prison as inmates rush through the hallways. We cut to black at 459, 59 seconds. So, so Jack's moral compass is, I think, pretty clear, is that if we had the old trolley problem where he had to, you know, change direction to go kill the one person instead of killing the five, he's always picking the one, mm-hmm. right? Because he, he's got that absolute, like, if I make a choice and less people die than the other choice, then that choice is right. I don't even know if that's true. Really? I think Jack no, will kill I, to save. As no, long as it means more I, I, people will be saved. Yep. I, I think that Jack's solution to the trolley problem is that if there are two tracks going to a single destination, and who knows where that route leads to, one will kill one person, one will kill 20 people, <laughs> but the route is maybe on like an angle to the, the where he's going from, He'll jump the fucking track and crash through multiple <laughs> apartment buildings to kill God knows who many people or kill I don't know nobody. Maybe they're maybe they're maybe at work. Maybe no one's at home. The trolley will go through those buildings, crumble all of them, and kill maybe someone an indeterminate number of people. But the people on the track in front of you will not die. Someone else might, but those those people, the one or the thirty, will That's not die. That's true. He can but, see them very clearly. He doesn't know it's in the building. Jack says the people in front of me right now that I see, none of them will die. <laughs> Other folks? Fuck them. Everyone else I have not seen yet? Yeah, probably. Fair, fair game. <laughs> Open season. Hmm? Jack lays his own track. I, th- I think the whole story, the whole point of this, this the whole show is Jack lays his own track. Curtis, where do you think we go from here? Who? Does Jack get out of this prison without killing anyone? Yeah. A prison guard? Yes. I think he does. Directly. Because you know, he's okay, already he's- indirectly killed so many prison guards. I mean, the prisoners killed them. He he mm. gave them a chance to face themselves in the, the truth of in combat, and they failed. <laughs> it's not Jack's fault. He gave them a chance to prove that they had been re- rehabilitated. Hey, here's the thing, though. Had they been cool guys and not brutally abused their, their inmates, maybe they were in fun. Yeah. So, I'm... This is what you get. You know? That's, that's just life. That's, just, the, that's just a run the jewels song. 
Yeah. Okay. Mean demeanor? That's right. Okay. Over under, Curtis, when do you think Sherry Palmer's showing up? <laughs> ep, ep 10. Okay. When do you think Nina's showing up? Ooh. And if, how is she no, showing up? Where do you think she that, shows up where at do, all, it'll be the last episode of the season. Where do you think Mandy's showing up? Same same episode. Same episode. Yeah. Okay. 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 Do you think Jack is going to kill Chase in this yes. season? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so you think you think Chase is going to die in this season? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Michael, I'm curious, how much do you remember of this episode, or this season? Um, As as the season goes on, are you remembering more? Do you I'm, remember no, nothing? I'm remembering more as the season goes on. Um, I, once again, I remember the main beats. So I remember how... I, I remember mostly how it ends and like the, the really important plot points, like who lives and who dies for the most part. But some of the, some of the smaller plots are, uh, are new to me at this point. Yeah. There's, I I think it's mostly the internal seat that you should, I, I always remember the Jack Bauer big, right, right, right. I think it's some of the, like the Gael and like Chloe and like just like the personal interaction shit that like seemingly makes no, no difference, but like, functionally plays a huge role because I don't remember Jack selling his daughter up the river <laughs> that, that one was definitely a new one for me because I, I think whenever we watched this season I was hammered drunk because of the drinking game so I don't remember this one super clearly so um, this one this one should be a fun I one. mean this episode was a banger for a for a fifth episode in this episode fucking slapped this was fourth episode that's true fourth episode and Jack has already started a prison riot to go rogue like mm-hmm. yeah again real. i, I want to say like this episode slapped fucking hard as hell and i think compared to the last season i feel like the writers room in, on 24 really got their shit together this season because like even i know a lot of shit happened around the, i think ct blew up in episode four <laughs> right. of season two but, but they didn't have but a like, clear focus on what the actual goal was and we had no idea what the plot right. was like what the actual terrorist They were still plot was setting up so two. much. Yeah, like this season so far is so much more coherent than one or two. Because uh, when did we meet Ira Gaines? I don't think we met Ira oh, Gaines until yeah. episode seven. There was so much bullshit one? with Kim and and Douche and Rick for a while. I think it was episode six or seven yeah. when we met Ira Gaines. Yeah, Chris, Chris, how are you feeling about season three right now? I like it. It's it's fast paced, but I, maybe they'll give us some room for Cabal this season that we didn't get in the last season. I just, damn it, I, you know that that's true. I want to know more about the, the damn Cabal. I just I just want to know. Yeah, Curtis, I I do have to say if that is one of the shortcomings of like the format of this show, you don't get that functional like mystery thread that like a normal like a normal show format would give you because like. There are 18 months between season two and three, and the four and, and the cabal was allegedly killed and arrested. <laughs> it wasn't in though. the 24 video there's game, more, which goddamn we need to play. Cabal. Oh, I mean, there's, there's always always more cabal there's always if I know cabal one thing, there's always more cabal because obviously we didn't kill it in the in the 24 video right. game. Um, but yeah, okay, yeah, I, I, season three is interesting because that cabal's out there. All right, fellas. Well, um, Curse, do you have any? You know, any thoughts, any questions you, you, you're you wondering on? Um, why? Just why? Just why? Okay. Just, just why? 
why in any general why or just the why cordilla why cordilla why mm-hmm. why la where cordilla where did they get How Cord- are we gonna find out where the fuck the salazars a drug kingpins well, found a fucking deadly virus that could kill 90 they've already people. said they had they had connections to terrorists but what does that mean where did the terrorists get this fucking biovirus? And, and why wouldn't the terrorist cells just release right. themselves? Uh, wall? Wall. <laughs> just wall. Wall. That's, that's reason. What about wall? <laughs> Thank you. What about you. wall? It's about time. <laughs> Has anyone thought about wall? Nobody's thought about wall for a long time. All right. Well, fellas, it's been a lovely talking with you. Mm. Um, Everyone, if you like this episode of um, the Hit Show 24 and like the the Hitter Show, Longest Days of Our Lives, um, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, you can also find out more information about our sister show, Longest Days. Nope. You can also find out more information about our sister show, Trends in Low Places, in which Michael and I and our occasionally our sweet, sweet good buddy, Curtis, uh, talk about the hottest internet trends and dumbest stories of the day. Um, Curtis was actually on the most recent episode of Trends in Low Places. Um, you can check that out uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, Curtis, what you got there, bud? Curtis? Yeah. Curtis, what yeah. you do? You, you, you sipping a little thing? No. Got that. Oh, okay. Got that Brie Larson over here. Just that. No. Um, yeah, so you can check those out. Um, occasionally, Michael and I, not Curtis blog on uh, the website and by occasionally uh and undermining my judgmental tone of curtis uh, i mean once every eight months michael and i will blog <laughs> um but check that out uh curtis how else can people help us out yeah folks first of all i will blog one day one day but one glorious if you day. want to help us out folks go ahead and subscribe to uh this show or our sister show twins low places on your favorite podcast app of choice whether that be spotify iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, however you subscribe to the goodness that is Good Buddy Media, uh, go ahead and do that. And when you do that, please add a review um, or a rating or or a comment so that we can continue to grow and move up the charts to become, that's right, folks, the podcast. Juggernaut. Anyway, Michael, how can the folks help us on the old social medias? You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast. And please uh, follow us, um, subscribe to our feeds, and please retweet and repost and reblog all of our shit, especially when we have a new episode. Uh, That is the best way for uh, people to find us. And also by word of mouth. So if people are talking about, hey, I need a new podcast to listen to while I'm I don't know, drunken high or whatever, and I need mm-hmm. some fucking idiots to talk in my ear. You can be like, "Hey, I know just the fucking idiots for you." Here comes three new morons in your ear. Exactly. Three new morons in your ear. We the three morons in your ear. Sorry. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone you know has fifty three spare episodes <laughs> to jam into their ear holes, <laughs> and by fifty three episodes, I do actually mean 108 hours because we talk for way too fucking long on every single one of these things. We are the three idiots for you. Because there are, 100%. listen, there's no one else doing what we do out here. Nope. There's no one else going through every single fucking minute of 24. And you know what? 
Actually, there were some other idiots they doing stopped. that, and they sucked at it. They sucked, they sucked and, they, and stopped. they stopped at yeah. it. They quit. We will not quit. We will finish this whole fucking series, the new episodes. The If there's a movie, we'll also, do it. We'll do Kiefer's also, fucking music career. We will do it all. Also, I, I do want to say, we've gotten... We've struggled with motivation for this show. The, the, this one takes a little bit of time, a lot of bit of time. Not gonna lie to you. <laughs> oh boy, it takes some time. But we've gotten some emails. We've gotten some tweets. I've had someone tweet directly to my personal account <laughs> about this show, and I fucking love it. They're like, I can't live without this show. <laughs> that's, that's, I thought this show was gonna be every week, and whoops, sorry. I really we apologize. We're trying for that one. so very very hard. Oh, we tried yeah, so guys, hard, guys. Bl- oh bl- boy, blame howdy. me. I'm an old man who has kids. I no, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna blame you, but I. Oh man, nope, nope. We all got big boy jobs. Um, no, this one like. More than any other, like, I love longest, I love Trends in Low Places. This show is super fun for me. Like, this is the most fun I have every second week <laughs> of, the, of the month. Um, so, yeah, we love this one. We love that you guys love this one. Please keep sending us feedback. Please tell us you love this show. Uh, and we will absolutely keep doing it because this is the most fucking fun for, <laughs> I think, for all of us. So, yeah. Yep. Um, well, gents, uh, I, I think with no further comments, unless, Curtis, you got a wild theory about Sherry Palmer usurping David Palmer's president. Sherry Palmer's um, Captain Marvel. Oh, shit, oh, dog. Damn. Wait, no, no. She's the black friend from Captain Marvel. Even better. <laughs> Monica oh. Rambeau or whatever her name was. Hey, this is 01. That's seven or six years later than the movie. I mean, she's she's up in there. Well, that's true. The she could have been her. adds up. Fuck. Damn. Fellas, I hate to tell you this because it is late 2001 but um we are running out of time toodles ha <laughs> ha